0: Democrats pull an insane round of manipulation regarding sexual assault allegations against Brett Kavanaugh and Bernie Sanders off the rails once more. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. Well, it's Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, and more Kavanaugh today because that is the only thing in the news. And it's the only thing in the news for a reason. I have never seen anything like this. I have never seen people throw out an allegation with no supporting facts whatsoever, admit that there are no supporting facts whatsoever, admit they don't know whether the allegation is true, and still maintain that a dude's life should be ruined over it, it's pretty unbelievable. But we'll get to all of that in just a second. First, let's talk about your comfort. So I took the day off yesterday, but the day that I took off was spent in penitence and prayer. If I'd really wanted to relax, what I would have done, and I shouldn't do this on Yom Kippur, but any other day of the year, what I would have done is get a massage from the folks over at Zeal because the only thing better than getting a massage is getting a massage in the comfort of your own home, which is where Zeal comes in. You go to zeal.com or on Zeal's iPhone or Android app, that's Z-E-E-L.com, and you select from top local licensed pre screen massage therapists. You choose your favorite technique, gender preference, time, and location for your massage. Zeal then sends one of their 10,000 licensed massage therapists with a massage table, music, and supplies to give you a five-star massage. Scheduling, booking, payment, it's fast and easy. The tip is even included seven days a week. 365 days a year, a Zeal massage therapist can be at your door in as little as an hour. It's super convenient, which is why I've gotten this as a gift for my wife, for both my parents, for my in-laws, for my sister. It's really fantastic. It's super convenient. And the massage therapists are all fantastic. Find out for yourself why Zeal has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Vogue, and on Good Morning America, and why we talk about it over here. Bring the spa to you and try Zeal today Today, like they're on demand. To get you started, our listeners can get 25 bucks off their first massage with promo code BEN. That's Z-E-E-L dot com, promo code BEN. Right now, again, go to Zeal.com or on Zeal's iPhone or Android app. Get a special offer when you try Zeal today. Enter promo code BEN to get 25 bucks off your first in-home massage. So I have to say that in the 25 hours that I was away, the Democrats have morphed their playbook. So it went from, here's a woman accusing a prospective Supreme Court nominee of sexual assault, let's hear her story too. You must not ask any questions whatsoever. And if you do, you are demonstrating you don't take her seriously. Also, you can't talk to her. So basically, Democrats said, hear this woman's story. And Republicans said, okay, let's hear it. And Democrats said, no, never. And Republicans said, well, then how are we supposed to hear her story? And Democrats said, no, never. And that's pretty much where things stand right now. As in her lawyer is now saying, that there is no reason to have a hearing, that instead they're going to throw this in the lap of the FBI. As we discussed a couple of days ago, the FBI is not the magic police, okay? They don't just go around investigating claims that are 36 years old with no corroborative evidence. There's nothing for them to do here. No federal crime has actually been alleged. This notion that the the FBI is some sort of time cop and they can just go back in time and watch from outside the window with their spy glasses and then see what Brett Kavanaugh did at an unspecified date at an unspecified time, in an unspecified location, that's crazy talk. But Democrats are trying to put that out there so that they don't have to have a hearing. Now, this is how you know that the allegations must not be all that credible even to Democrats. It's a win for them to have a hearing, right? I mean, how does this go badly for them? Think, think about the logic. Let's say that Democrats have this hearing. Let's say that Christine Blasey Ford, the accuser, comes forward. And let's say that she gives a tear-filled interview about exactly what happened when Brett Kavanaugh allegedly thrust her into a room, jumped on top of her, tried to pull her clothes down, and put his hand over her mouth while she was screaming. How exactly are Republicans going to look good coming out of that? This was the assumption last week. This is why so many Republicans were saying, let's not even do this hearing. Let's just go straight to the vote. The reason is because there is no way to win that PR battle. You got a woman who is alleging something terrible happened to her and a bunch of old white men asking her questions. How does that come off looking good for Republicans? Well, the only way it comes out looking good for Republicans is if there are holes in her story. If it looks like Democrats took a half-baked story, threw it out there in order to stop Kavanaugh, and then her story falls apart publicly. That's the only plausible reason why Democrats don't actually wanna hold this hearing. Don't believe them when they say, well, we have to shield the accuser from the pain of having to go through the story again. She's already told her story publicly. People are already sending death threats. They shouldn't be, because that's evil. But people are already doing that. So the idea that she is going to minimize the the pain that she's feeling by not testifying is totally insane. Plus, they could have this hearing behind closed doors. In fact, that's what Senator Chuck Grassley is calling for. Grassley has put out a a long letter to the Democrats. This is exactly right. He says, Dear Mrs. Katz and Banks, that would be the lawyers for this woman, says, Thank you for your letter dated September 18th, 2018. I was disturbed to read that your client and her family have received threats of intimidation. That's never appropriate and no one should be subject to that behavior. The FBI has supplemented Judge Kavanaugh's background investigation file in light of the allegations raised by your client, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. The committee's standard procedure for supplemented background investigations is to conduct phone or in-person interviews with the relevant parties to discuss the underlying issues. To that end, committee staff has attempted to contact you directly by phone and email several times to schedule a call at a time convenient for you and your client. We thus far have not heard back from you with regard to that request. Shocker. Please contact committee staff at your earliest convenience to schedule that call at a time convenient for you and your client. As you know, I have reopened the hearing on Judge Kavanaugh's nomination in light of Dr. Ford's allegation. That hearing will begin again on Monday, September 25th at 10 a.m. I've invited Dr. Ford to testify regarding her allegations against Judge Kavanaugh. And in recognition of how difficult it can be to discuss allegations of this kind in public, I have also offered her the choice of testifying in either a public or closed session of the hearing, this is Grassley writing. In response to my invitation, however, you wrote yesterday that, quote, an FBI investigation of the incident should be the first step in addressing her allegations. I certainly understand and respect Dr. Ford's desire for an investigation of her allegations. That is precisely what the Senate is doing. That is why our investigators have asked to speak with your client. That is why I've invited Dr. Ford to tell her story to the Senate, and if she so chooses, to the American people. It is not the FBI's role to investigate a matter such as this. Before nominating an individual to a judicial or executive office, the White House directs the FBI to conduct a background investigation. The FBI compiles information about a prospective nominee and sends it to the White House. The White House then provides FBI background investigation files to the Senate as a courtesy to help us determine whether to confirm a nominee. The FBI does not make a credibility assessment of any information it receives with respect to a nominee, nor is it tasked with investigating a matter simply because the committee deems it important. And they continue, this is Grassley, again, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I have reopened the hearing because I believe that anyone who comes forward with allegations of sexual assault has a right to be heard. And because it is the committee's responsibility to fully evaluate the fitness of a nominee to the Supreme Court. I therefore want to give Dr. Ford an opportunity to tell her story to the Senate. And if she chooses to the American people, I also want to give Judge Kavanaugh an opportunity to respond to the allegations. You have stated repeatedly that Dr. Ford wants to tell her story. I sincerely hope that Dr. Ford will accept my invitation to do so either privately or publicly on Monday. In the meantime, my staff would still welcome the opportunity to speak with Dr. Ford. I remind you that consistent with committee rules, Dr. Ford's prepared testimony and biography are due to the committee by 10 a.m. on Friday, September 21st, if she intends to testify on Monday. And her lawyers have come back and they said, no, we're not going to do any of this. Hey, Trump, President Trump comes forward. He says, listen, it would be wonderful if she showed up so we could ask some serious questions about this. I'd really want to see her. I really would want to see what she has to say. I think he's an extraordinary man. I think he's a man of great intellect, as I've been telling you. And he has an unblemished record. This is a very tough thing for him and his family. And we want to get it over with. At the same time, we want to give tremendous amounts of time. If she shows up, that would be wonderful. If she doesn't show up, that would be unfortunate. And of course, that's exactly right. Okay, that's exactly right. What Trump is saying, forget what you think of Trump. She has to show up so that we actually have some sort of questions that can be asked of this woman. Instead, what we're getting from the left is, how dare you? How dare you? We tell a story, either believe it or don't, but we're not giving you anything. We're not giving you anything. You know, by this standard, it's not even worthwhile for the woman to have come forward. Diane Feinstein should have just said, there's an anonymous allegation that Brett Kavanaugh sexually assaulted someone in his teens. We're not coming forward with who she is. We're not coming forward with any information about what happened. We're not talking about where, when, why, how, or who. We're not going to talk about any of those things, and you must respect our anonymous allegation. There is a reason that there's such a thing as due process of law when it comes to the criminal courts, and there should be at least a modicum of due process when it comes to the court of public opinion as well. Look, Diane Feinstein, who started this whole charade by receiving an, uh, this letter and then not saying anything about it for six weeks, waiting till after Kavanaugh's hearing, waiting till after all of her written questions, waiting till after all of her verbal questions to Kavanaugh, and then releasing that, that notice that she had this letter that was anonymous information from an anonymous individual. Even Diane Feinstein is now saying, I can't say everything is truthful. Well, if you can't say everything is truthful, then what the hell are we doing this for? If you can't say that you believe the accuser, and what are we doing this for? And on what basis you believe the accuser? And what you think the process should be going forward? And no, it doesn't help to just say, throw it to the FBI. I accuse Diane Feinstein of eating small babies. I, you ask me what my evidence is? I don't have to show you my evidence that she eats small babies. I just, all I can say is I know that in the back room, Diane Feinstein takes small children, carves them up into little bits, eats their spleen, liver, and appendix, and then proceeds to boil their legs and eat them too. And if you ask me, what basis I have for such allegations, all I can say is, let's let the FBI look into it. Let's let the FBI check it out. You don't have the right to ask me those sorts of questions. And if you ask me those sorts of questions, it's because you don't care about babies being eaten in the back room by old senators. You don't care about any of that stuff. You know how I know? Because you're asking me questions. If you did care, you would just finish Dianne Feinstein's career. This is really disgusting stuff. Here's Dianne Feinstein saying yesterday, I don't know that everything is truthful. I really, don't, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Well, I have no say. I'm the lead Democrat, but the Republicans control. So okay. this is all up to the Republican side. Okay. And I think it's really too bad that no one called her or called her lawyer. Uh, my understanding is she got emails. And this is a woman, and I really believe, who's been profoundly impacted mm-hmm. by this. Now I can't say everything's truthful, I don't know. Right but I do know that um, they had to contact her lawyers Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: our side isn't putting this together. The Republican side is putting it together. This is insane. Okay, this is just insane. They didn't call her, they only emailed. What? So she received the emails, you know about it, don't you? People respond by email all the time. I do it on a frequent basis. Email is a form of communication in 2018, it turns out. What in the world? And then there's Ford's lawyer. So Ford's lawyer comes forth and she says, listen, You know, we put out these allegations, but why should we rush to a hearing? There's no rush. Let's be real about what this is, folks. This is a delaying tactic. Democrats are hoping that this whole thing drags all the way through the election. All they have to do is drag this sucker out another six weeks. If they can drag it past the election, they're hoping desperately that Democrats clean up in the election. There's about a one in in three chance that they actually win the Senate back. Let's say they win the Senate back and then they just stifle Kavanaugh's nomination in the same way Republicans stifled Merrick Garland's nomination. They could do that. And that's their great hope here. That's what they're doing. This looks like a political hit. Again, maybe the lady's telling the truth. She's not providing any evidence that she's telling the truth, like none. Okay, her saying something, I've had bad things happen to me in my life. And I could provide you, if I, if I wanted to bring them forth, I could provide you corroborative detail. I could provide you witnesses. I could provide you time and place. Okay, and these, these are things that happened like, let's see, when I was 15, so 19 years ago. So it's a long time ago, two decades ago. I could provide you time and place. I can tell you what date it was. I can tell you where it happened. Okay, and if I couldn't, then you would rightly ask me what evidence I have of my allegations. We can get more into this in just one second, but first let's talk about your air filters. Well, listen, I know, sexy topic. I know you you don't wanna hear about your air filters, but let's be real. The reason you need to hear about your air filters is because you are breathing in gunk right now. It's just seeping into your lungs, that gunk. And that is why you ought to have air filters that are actually clean, that actually work. You probably haven't thought about your air filters for years, that's your problem. If you had thought about your air filters, they'd be clean right now. And this is where FilterBuy comes in. FilterBuy makes sure that you have clean air filters and they can do pretty much any size. Go to FilterBuy.com. It's America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You can choose from over 600 sizes, including custom options. They ship free within 24 hours. You just go and you register and then you can even get on a regular schedule so you never have to think about air filters again. Every time I mention air filters, you won't have to think about it because you already took care of it. They support working Americans manufacturing all their filters right here in the United States. Save 5% when you subscribe for auto replacement, so you're never going to forget to change your filters. FilterBuy will save you time and money. You're going to breathe better. Apparently, you become more intelligent in the process when you're not breathing gunk. So stop procrastinating right now. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Tell them I sent you, we use it here at Daily Wire offices, because again, we don't want our employees breathing gunk. We want them to be smart and with it and not dying of cancer. So go check it out right now, filterby.com, and tell them we sent you, get on that regular schedules too, because you save 5% when you subscribe for auto replacement. So this lady's lawyer comes forth and and she says, there's no reason to rush to a hearing. Oh, so there's a reason to rush to bring out the allegation, but there's no reason to rush to a hearing. Mm Mm-hmm. So here's the statement from Christine Blasey Ford's lawyer, Lisa Banks. Quote, Dr. Ford was reluctantly thrust into the public spotlight only two days ago. Let's be clear about why Dr. Ford was thrust into the public spotlight. She sent a letter to the Washington Post, to Representative Anna Eschew of California, and to Dianne Feinstein. In all three of those letters, she said she wanted to keep it confidential. If there was a real basis for the allegations, like a hard evidentiary basis, don't you think the Washington Post would have reported it? They reported the Roy Moore allegations. Don't you think that they would have checked it out, gone and vetted it down to the ground? But they couldn't and so instead diane feinstein leaked anonymous allegations out into the public and then shock of shocks it turns out that the lady feels like she needs to come forward because now it's public enough that people are tracking her down weird how that works weird how that sort of media manipulation works you release a letter to a politician you say keep my name out of it the politician releases the letter without your name in it and two days later you're coming forth whose fault is it that this whole thing was released Dianne Feinstein's, okay? She is currently unable to go home and is receiving ongoing threats to her and her family's safety. Listen, I know what that feels like. It's terrible. It is terrible and obviously evil. Nobody should be threatening anybody else in the United States with violence. That's not a thing. But that doesn't mean they get to hide behind safety threats not to testify about matters that impact the entire fate of the Supreme Court going forward. Her lawyer says, fairness and respect for her situation dictate she should have time to deal with this. No, that is not what fairness and respect dictate. That is not what fairness and respect dictate. Fairness and respect dictate that people should be prosecuted for threatening her. They do not dictate that she has to be given a year to deal with the emotional pain of an allegation that actually has impact on the public discourse. She continues to believe that a full non-partisan investigation of this matter is needed and she is willing to cooperate with the committee. However, the committee's stated plan to move forward with a hearing that has only two witnesses it is not a fair or good faith investigation. There are multiple witnesses whose names have appeared publicly and should be included in any proceeding. Okay, so why don't Democrats just say that? Why don't they say, okay, we'll have the hearing, but we're also gonna need to hear from Mark Judge and a bunch of other people. They're not doing that. They're just saying no hearing, which is pretty suspicious. Now in a second, we're gonna talk about what Democrats are really up to here, what Democrats are really up to. So what are Democrats really up to here? They're trying to shift the entire nature of the conversation from guilt or innocence and toward look how mean Republicans are. Look how mean they are for even asking questions. It shows they don't understand pain. Now, a couple of days ago, the execrable Anna Marie Cox over on MSNBC, she's over at she suggested that if there was a hearing, Brett Kavanaugh wouldn't just have to demonstrate his innocence. He wouldn't even have to debunk the case. He had to show that he understood the pain of a woman he says is falsely accusing him of alleged rape, attempted rape. And she'd have to feel, but that's the, that's the new tap. So when the Democrats don't have the facts on their side, they argue the law. When they don't have the law on their side, they argue the feelings. That's, that's really what this is. So Kirsten Gillibrand, who is just the worst. I mean, Kirsten Gillibrand is just a garbage human being. And this is a person who basically said that Al Franken should be ousted from the Senate over allegations that he was touching women inappropriately and then backtracked on that. She's switched every position she's ever held. I mean, this is a, this is a person, when, I, when people say you have your finger in the wind to feel which way the wind is blowing, then they shift with the wind. She is, a, she is the little rooster on top of the farmhouse. She doesn't even have her finger in the wind. She's a weather vane. She's an actual human weather vane. So here is Kirsten Gillibrand saying the GOP is trying to bully. So let's get this right. If the GOP doesn't have a hearing, that's bullying. If the GOP does have a hearing, that's bullying. It seems like you might have an unfalsifiable thesis there, Kirsten. Here she is explaining. They are creating a false choice. They are trying to bully her into testifying on Monday before a full FBI background check is completed. For a nomination for the Supreme Court, for any judicial nomination, there's always an FBI investigation. They do it as part of the background check. This allegation is new. They should have at least that... Thorough, nonpartisan review of the facts, and then those facts can be presented to the senators so they can have a proper hearing. But unfortunately, they're trying to set up a he said, she said scenario and bully her into either testifying on Monday or not being heard at all. No, that's, what? If you even got back to them and said, okay, you know what, we're gonna testify Wednesday. We'll testify Friday. But instead you're getting back and you're saying, we're not testifying at all unless the FBI does exactly what we want. These are the same folks on the left who say the FBI should not be used as a political tool by the administration. Really, these are the same folks on the left who are saying Donald Trump's interference with the FBI is politically inappropriate. I agree if you were interfering with the FBI. And yet these are folks who are now using the FBI as a weapon against Brett Kavanaugh, knowing full well this is not the FBI's job in this situation. The FBI's job is not to be the fact checker for anonymous and unverifiable allegations. That is not the FBI's job. Their job is to make clear to the committee what matters they have heard about. They don't check into the, ver- or the veracity of every allegation that is made. That's insane. That's what Senate committees are for. It's their job to investigate. And if Democrats have something, by the way, you think Democrats don't have investigators on their payroll? You think Democrats don't have people who they can pay? you know, I know Fusion GPS seems like they have some time these days. You think they don't have people who can dig down and do Apple research and research this stuff and come up with something? What this really mostly looks like Is Democrats trying to cover for the fact that they got nothing here? Ed Whelan over at National Review, who is not known as a guy who says inflammatory things. Ed Whelan, he's president of the Ethics and Policy Center. He issued a series of posts this week. He said, by one week from today, I expect that Judge Kavanaugh will have been clearly vindicated on this matter. Specifically, I expect that compelling evidence will show his categorical denial to be truthful. There'll be no cloud over him. Senator Feinstein will soon be apologizing to Judge Kavanaugh. The accusations will have been shown to be deeply unjust. Now, Whelan is not a guy to get over his skis. I've dealt with Ed Whelan when I had criticisms about Brett Kavanaugh. Ed Whelan critiqued the criticisms of Brett Kavanaugh. In some cases, I think that he was totally right. Like This is a guy who actually does his research. Whelan suggested that there may be some provable wrongdoing, but not on Kavanaugh's side. He said, funny how attorney didn't seek an investigation two months ago. A week from now, I doubt any fair-minded person will think that any further investigation is necessary, at least not concerning any alleged wrongdoing by Kavanaugh. So if Ed Whelan has some information on this and it does break, it's going to be just humiliating for Democrats. But here's the thing. Democrats don't care whether it's true or not. In the end, that's the bottom line. Democrats do not give one good damn about whether these allegations are true. All they care about is destroying Kavanaugh. All they care about is delaying this until after the election. That's all they care about in life. And I'm gonna show it to you in just a second. But first, let's talk about what you're eating. Hey, are you eating stuff that tastes good? Are you eating stuff that is not that expensive? Are you eating stuff that you cooked in your own house with your kids because it's really a lot of fun? Well, if you're not doing any of those things, then you should be checking out Blue Apron right now. Here's how it works. You choose chef-designed recipes, and they deliver fresh, seasonally-inspired ingredients. You can cook incredible meals in as little as 20 minutes. So again, dinner in as little as 20 minutes. They have quick and easy recipe options with insanely delicious flavors. Folks around the office have been using Blue Apron. I wish it were kosher so I could use it. Instead, lots of folks around the office are using Blue Apron, and they say it's just spectacular. It's one of the fastest-growing meal-to-delivery uh, you know, recipe delivery companies in the country. It's just, it's fantastic. It's funny, my wife years ago said, I wish, I wish there were such a service for me. I wish that I could just go online and order like the recipe and the prepackaged ingredients. And then Blue Apron did it. And she's like, now I wish it were kosher. We feel exactly the same way. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash Shapiro. That's blueapron.com slash Shapiro to get your first three meals for free. And you're cooking stuff like crispy chicken tenders and mashed potatoes, pasta and creamy tomato sauce. I mean, this is gourmet stuff you're making in your own kitchen. You're going to feel like a chef and you're going to be able to do it without having to go to the grocery store and buy three times too much of anything. Every time you go to the grocery store, it's like going to Costco. You come away with three times too much food of one type and not enough of another type. Forget that. And that's all pre-portioned with Blue Apron. Go check it out right now. Blue Apron is indeed a better way to cook. And when you go to blueapron.com slash you get your first three meals for free. So go check it out right now. The entire democratic narrative has morphed from guilt or innocence down to This forwards a narrative, and the narrative is women are victims. So we're back into the war on women nonsense we got in 2012 when Mitt Romney said that he had a binder full of women so that he could hire women. And Democrats said that Mitt Romney was waging a war on women and that that binder was actually a Stasi folder for the targeted death of women or some such nonsense. That's where Democrats are going with this. Susan Collins, it turns out, is a woman. I know. I know. Shocking. But Susan Collins is, in fact, a woman. And she says, listen, why doesn't Dr. Ford come and testify? She says, I hope Dr. Ford will reconsider and testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday. It is my understanding the committee has offered to hold either a public or a private session, whichever would make her more comfortable. And then Susan Collins came out. She said for saying this, she's received death threats, which prompted Eric Swalwell, who's a Democratic representative, to tweet is 24 to tweet this out. He tweeted, boo hoo hoo. You're a senator who police will protect. A sexual assault victim can't sleep in her home tonight because of threats. Where are you sleeping? She's on her own while you and your Senate GOP colleagues try to rush her through a hearing. Boo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, no, this is all about guilt or innocence, guys. This isn't about demagoguery at all. Speaking about the media's demagoguery, I mean, the media demagoguery on this issue is just absurd. It's absurd. You're seeing purportedly objective news reporters say the most ridiculous crap I have ever seen about any allegations of any sort. It really is, like, fully insane stuff. And Terry Moran was tweeting at me this morning. He's the chief foreign correspondent for ABC. I don't know what he would know about, you know, alleged rape allegations. He's the chief foreign correspondent for ABC news. I tweeted out, the point is, is, is not that we should disbelieve all women. We should give women the presumption of truth, but then we should ask for supporting details and evidence if we actually give a good damn about due process or truth itself. And Terry Moran tweeted back at me, agreed. One way witnesses are discredited at trial is through evidence they have fabricated before. People don't just decide at 51 years old to tell a giant public lie. Evidence of prior fabrication in a witness's life is important. So is its absence, not dispositive, but probative. So in other words, she hasn't said anything, so we should believe her. That's what he's actually saying there, right? What he's saying is, you haven't provided any evidence that she fabricated this, so we should believe it. That shifts the entire burden of proof to Brett Kavanaugh to disprove an allegation that is so vague, we don't know when or where it happened. This is how the media are treating this. You talk about lack of seriousness. How are the media treating this? They're, they're in, the, in the most insane possible fashion. There are now two different people who went to school with, the, with this accuser who have suggested that she's telling the truth. But then under questioning, it turns out they don't know anything about Brett Kavanaugh. So one of them is named Gary. Uh, and, and here's what she had to say. She, she was on CNN. She's a former friend and ex-classmate of Kavanaugh's accuser. Here's what she had to say. So she's featured on CNN. As a source who would know, watch how this goes. You know, one of the things that's been surprising to me as I've gotten um, involved in this in the last couple of days is how many women of my class have come forward to me in this last few days and said I had similar experiences in high school, and this hits me very deeply. And I it's very not with Brett Kavanaugh, but with other with boys. Not with Brett Kavanaugh, but with other boys in our community. What the actual f? what in the world so this is how this works now at the oj trial you say you know what i have had experiences right the prosecutor says there are lots of people who have had experiences in which people were murdered not by oj but by other people and what are you supposed to do with that like yes lots of women have had bad experiences with men in which they were sexually abused or assaulted that's awful. What does that have to do with Brett Kavanaugh? This is the social justice left at its finest. What social justice is, this is why social justice is evil. Social justice is actually evil because social justice implies that individual justice is not enough. Justice does not need a modifier. Justice is about guilt or innocence. Justice is about true or false. If I accuse Senya of having done something, I can't just say, listen, listen, Senya comes from a privileged group. First of all, she doesn't. But if I said to her, Senya, you come from a privileged group. Therefore, it doesn't matter whether you did something to me. It just matters that your group was privileged. And therefore, if anybody of your group ever victimized anybody of my group, therefore, you must have victimized me. It doesn't matter if your guilt or innocent. Right, let's say that some, I, I accused somebody from Germany of doing something to me. And there's no evidence it happened. But I said, you know what? Back in the day, all of my grandparents' relatives were slaughtered in Europe by your grandparents. All of them. Therefore, you raped me. Well, what? That, that does not follow in the slightest. But the social justice warrior says, in the name of justice, in the name of rectifying the imbalance between men and women, Brett Kavanaugh must be burned at the stake. He is a man. There's a woman who made an allegation. Burn him. Burn him right now. String up. Burn him. That's all all we can do in the name of social justice, because there are disproportions between groups, because men have been in charge of the patriarchy for too long. And it doesn't matter if women have actually, if this woman was victimized by Brett Kavanaugh, that doesn't matter at all. This cuts so against the nature of Western civilization. It cuts so against the nature of basic humanity and justice. It's insane. It's insane. And it wasn't just this woman, Gary, who's out there saying, well, you know, Lots of women I know from my high school, they had bad experiences with men. It's like, what the, what does that have to do with anything? It's not just her. There's another woman who came forward and she went to high school with Christine Blasey Ford and she posted a note, this long note, all about how she knew the Kavanaugh allegations were true. Naturally, this drove a lot of media interest. And she writes this very, very long note about how all of the allegations are definitely, definitely true. And the media jumps on this. They say, oh my God, we finally have confirmation, right? I mean, it's a long note. And here's what she wrote in the note. I signed this letter. It makes me proud to have attended Holton Arms. That's the high school that Christine Blasey Ford went to. The current situation involving Dr. Christine Blasey Ford and Supreme Court Justice nominee Brett Kavanaugh touches a very personal nerve and has unearthed memories, good and bad, that I had buried deep from my time at Holton. I graduated from Holton and knew both Brett and not not well and Mark Judge. I remember having a bit of a crush on Mark. He had a keen intelligence and sardonic biting wit when he wasn't drunk, which was often, as were lots of teenage guys from PrEP. I asked him to go to my junior or senior prom with me. Can't remember now which one. I just remember how horrible I felt when he stood me up because he got bombed a few hours before the prom dinner. He showed no respect and had no remorse. Apparently in 2018, some things have not changed, unfortunately. First of all, it's not a sex assault allegation. That's him being a jerk allegation. Christine Blasey Ford was a year or so behind me. I did not know her personally, but I remember her. This incident did happen. Okay, this is the part where everybody went, okay, now we're listening. Many of us heard a buzz about it indirectly with few specific details. However, Christine's vivid recollection should be more than enough for us to truly deeply know the accusation is true. We are all in some way from that time, at least me, Christine, and I applaud her courage and dignity. The drinking ensconced in the Puritanism and hypocrisy of that elite, privileged, mostly white Catholic Washington society was completely out of control. We were teenagers and did really stupid, abusive, dangerous things. I invite the women who stepped up in support for Kavanaugh in their letter. In addition to writing about what a good person, great athlete, student, family man and brilliant professional Brett Kavanaugh is, and he may well be all those things, to reflect on the use of the word integrity to describe him and to really think about who they are supporting and why. In my case, even before Christine came forward, I was and still am completely against his nomination. And then and then it says no, uh, uh, he, he goes against me no matter how fine a person, an upstanding citizen he may be. So this entire letter is basically I hate Brett Kavanaugh. didn't want him on the Supreme Court. And I know the allegations are true. So she says she knows the allegations are true. And the media say, wow, a woman who says she heard about the this would be the first contemporaneous account of the story. Right? because the first time we heard this story apparently was 2012 when christine Blasey ford talked to her therapist so that's the first time she told anybody outside of her husband who she once mentioned this to in like 2002 apparently but now we have something corroborative a contemporaneous account of christine Blasey ford talking about being sexually assaulted by brett kavanaugh in 1982 okay except it's bullcrap how do we know it's bullcrap because she won npr she basically she pulled down first of all she deleted her post Then she said, well, I didn't really mean for people to take that all that seriously. And then she went on NPR, and this is clip 22. Here is what she had to say about this. That it happened or not, I have no idea. I can't say that it did or didn't. In my post, I was, you know, empowered, and I was sure it probably did. I had no idea that I would have to now, you know, go to the specifics and defend it before 50 cable channels and have my face spread all over MSNBC News and and Twitter. I felt empowered and I didn't feel like I had to defend it. That's pretty much social justice in a nutshell, isn't it? The social justice warriors. I felt empowered so I could speak complete crap directly from my anus and it wouldn't actually matter whether I was telling the truth. Unbelievable. I could actually substitute my my mouth for my bile duct and everything would be fine because I felt empowered. Screw anyone who believes this way. Anybody who believes that your feeling of empowerment trumps the truth or basic human decency is a vile human being, is a vile thing to say. It's a vile, nasty, horrible thing to say. And it gets even more vile and more horrible. I mean, this is it's the worst smear I've ever seen. If they've got no more evidence than this, it's the worst smear I have ever seen in my life. I mean that bar none. That includes the stuff Democrats said about Romney, about him trying to put people back in chains. That includes the crap that Democrats said about John McCain not being able to use a computer because his hands were actually wounded in Vietnam. It includes everything. To take an accusation that has no verifying detail and then say, you know what? We don't need verifying detail because it makes us feel empowered. You go straight to hell because you will. I mean, this is, this is a hell going kind of thing. I mean, this is, this is a sin of egregious proportions. I'll get to more of this in just a second. But first... Well, I'm about to stroke out here. Let's talk about life insurance. Okay, you actually need life insurance. If you don't want to leave your family bereft when you plot, you should go check out policygenius.com right now. 40% of Americans still don't have it. So if anything were to happen, their families could be left in a really difficult financial situation. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find the best policy for you. And when you compare those quotes, you save money. It's that simple. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance. They've placed over 20 billion dollars in coverage, and they don't just make life insurance easy, they also do disability insurance and renters insurance, health insurance. <coughs> you care about it? They will cover it for you. So, if you're looking for a great reason to buy life insurance, there are three. It's National Life Insurance Awareness Month, rates are at 20-year low, and Policy Genius makes it super easy. Go check it out right now, policygenius.com. Get quotes, apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now and you should before you forget because once it's done, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Even if you die, you don't have to worry about it anymore because your family's taken care of. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Go check them out right now, policygenius.com. And again, get those quotes, apply in minutes. I highly recommend it, policygenius.com. Go check it out. Okay, so before we go any further, and yes, it goes even further. Before we go any further, first, you're going to have to go over to Daily Wire and become a subscriber. $9.99 a month gets you a subscription. Once you have that subscription, you can see the rest of this show live, the rest of Andrew Klavan's show live, the rest of Michael Moles' show live. You can be part of our mailbag, which we are doing tomorrow. When we do Daily Wire backstage specials and you ask questions, your live questions can be asked to guests like Glenn Beck, right? Speaking of which, Glenn is our Sunday special guest, which is why you should subscribe over at YouTube or iTunes. Glenn, take it away. Hi, I'm Glenn Beck. And this week, I'm on the Ben Shapiro show Sunday special. You don't want to miss it. (laughs) It is a lot of fun, and Glenn gets into some pretty deep territory, so go check it out. Subscribe at YouTube or iTunes, you can hear our Sunday special with Glenn Beck. Also, for $99 a year, which is cheaper than the monthly subscription, you get all of those various glories, all all of those various wonders. Plus this, The Leftist Here is Hot or Cold Tumblr, also makes julienne fries. Go check it out right now. It is spectacular. The Leftist Here is Hot or Cold Tumblr. And again, subscribe over YouTube at iTunes, We always appreciate you leaving a comment and a review that does help us. Go check it out. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast in the nation. So what this has morphed into now is basically Democrats saying that it doesn't matter whether it's true or false. It promotes a narrative that we like. The narrative that men are evil and women are innocent and no woman would ever accuse a man of anything bad and no man can ever defend himself from anything. There's an article I kid you not, at Yahoo today by Matt Guy. uh, And the article essentially suggests that Brett Kavanaugh should shut it. That Brett Kavanaugh's denial is actually evidence of his guilt. That Brett Kavanaugh's denial demonstrates that Brett Kavanaugh doesn't understand the needs of women. No, I am not kidding you. That's an actual thing. Okay, it's it's, it's truly insane piece. And it's not the only insane piece today. There are a bevy of insane pieces today coming from people who obviously do not give any any craps, (laughs) none, as far as, as far as whether they believe that, that Kavanaugh is guilty or innocent. It's, it's a truly insane, it's a truly insane place that we are now in. Salon has a piece today called men are more afraid than ever. Why Kavanaugh advocates would rather defend malfeasance than deny it. And it's all about all these people who are defending Brett Kavanaugh's supposed malfeasance, suggesting that people who sin in their youth should not be punished. Now, I don't think that's the strongest defense for Brett Kavanaugh. I think the strongest defense for Brett Kavanaugh is it didn't happen, right? That's the strongest defense for Brett Kavanaugh. But the part of this piece that's crazy is this, okay? This is a piece, I'm trying to find the author, Lily Luthborough. So here's what she writes. She writes, she writes, Many of us, I include myself, are almost persuaded that men are suffering greatly. Many of us have been trained from birth to believe that men, unlike women, are long-suffering and stoic. That means that their pain, when they do express it, strikes us as almost holy. It took me decades to realize something like the opposite is true. It's not that men's pain isn't real, it's that our culture vastly overestimates it. A certain kind of man not getting exactly what he wants, precisely when he wants it, will truly believe he's suffering more than a woman in pain, who has never been told that what she wants might matter. While this doesn't make him a liar, it does limit him and blind him to those limits. So in other words, It doesn't matter if a man claims something. We can't believe him because there's been a patriarchal imbalance. Molly Ball has the worst piece, I think. And honestly, there's like piece after piece today that's really, really awful. There's a guy named Chauncey DeVega writing at Salon talking about Brett Kavanaugh is a blend of toxic male privilege and affluenza based on an allegation that has been unproved. Here's Here's what this idiot says. During his confirmation hearings, Kavanaugh has by some accounts committed perjury. He did not. He has been less than forthcoming about his views on women's rights to control their own bodies. Those views are not relevant to a judge. And whether those being those are being absolute and fully protected by the Constitution, Kavanaugh's record also shows he does not believe that the civil rights of black and brown people and other marginalized groups should be protected. Right? This, and this is the reason why we should believe these allegations. The reason we should believe these allegations is because, obviously, Kavanaugh's a bad guy because he doesn't believe like Democrats believe. Kavanaugh's defenders make excuses for his alleged sexual assault and attempted rape of Christine Blasey Ford. They are endorsing and channeling white male privilege and toxic white masculinity. In America, those unearned advantages are almost exclusive provenance of those who are white and male. This type of white entitlements is also amplified and exaggerated for rich, white, conservative, heterosexual men. Now, I do want to point out here, there are a bunch of conservatives who've been saying dumb stuff like, well, if he actually did this, then maybe we should still let it go because it was a long time ago. I'm not a big fan of that particular line of argumentation. The left is jumping on that line because they want to avoid the actual implication of all these arguments, which is that it may not have happened at all. And that's where we come to this, the best of all articles, this one from Time Magazine. I'll get to that one in just a second. First, I have to tell you, this is this is an insane accusation from Huffington Post. Okay, so there's an insane accusation from Huffington Post. Here is the accusation. When you talk about media coverage that is just garbagio, this one is from Huffington Post. You ready for this? You're not. You think you are, but you're not. This is from Emily Peck. Brett Kavanaugh liked female clerks who looked a certain way, Yale student was told. A few years ago, as she was prepping to interview for a judicial clerkship, a student at Yale Law School received a troubling combination of warning and advice from her professors about one federal judge in particular. Brett Kavanaugh, she was told, liked his female clerks to have, quote, a certain look. Right now, Kavanaugh's nomination to the Supreme Court hangs in the balance as he faces an accusation that he sexually assaulted a girl in high school. The professors proffering the advice are themselves well-known. Both Jed Rubenfeld and his wife, Amy Chua, told this woman about Kavanaugh's preferences. Then Kavanaugh was simply known as a prestigious judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Though neither said the judge did anything untoward regarding the women he worked with, the student found their counsel off-putting. So in other words, there is no actual allegation Kavanaugh did anything wrong, but once upon a time people said that Brett Kavanaugh liked young clerks in his office to look a certain way and we don't know the talking. is that a matter of dress is that a matter of what we have no idea we don't have any clue okay it's just like how is this anything short of justice mere this is I, I love this she advised me to be to be and dress outgoing she strongly urged me to send her pictures of what i was thinking of wearing so she could evaluate i did not well like any employer might want to know whether you're going to walk into the office wearing a bra. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what this means. Like, Amy Chu is a big advocate of the idea, by the way, that people should dress for success. So maybe that's one of the things that she is suggesting here. We have no idea. All we have is a vague allegation for a person who has never met Brett Kavanaugh saying a third party said he liked his young clerks to look a particular way. This is enough. Obviously, this means that when he was 17, he tried to rape somebody. Clearly, clearly. The best article of all comes courtesy of Molly Ball, Okay, over at time.com. And here's where we really get to the nub of it. Democrats are trying to restart the war on women meme based on a fact-free allegation made with no supporting evidence. From the beginning, says Molly Ball, the women were determined to be disruptive. There sat Brett Kavanaugh, looking every bit the world's most decent man with his even demeanor and sparkling resume, ready to go through the motions and receive the benediction of the senators before him. Since the day of his nomination to the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh had portrayed himself as a champion of women. Introducing himself to the nation, he emphasized the women he cherished, saying his mother, a judge, was his ultimate role model, talking about his daughters and the majority of female law clerks he'd hired. Members of the girls' basketball teams he's coached sat in the front rows behind him at his Senate confirmation hearing. Earlier, he had recited the names of his daughter's teammates. Anna, Quinn, Kelsey, Sian, Chloe, Alex, Ava, Sophia, and Margaret. I love helping the girls grow into confident players. He had spent a lifetime pushing all the right buttons, and now nothing seemed to stand between the federal judge and a seat on the nation's highest court. But one after another, women interrupted. Still, she persisted. Protesters popped up in the back of the room, yelling and waving signs before being hustled out by by police. Women senators spoke out of turn. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized, pled. Democrat Kamala Harris of California to no avail. Kavanaugh sat quietly in the middle of it, a cherubic smile on his face. But the women, it turned out, were not done disrupting him. Just when the end seemed in sight, his confirmation vote less than a week away after a hearing that had turned up no more than the usual partisan angst, Christine Blasey Ford, a California college professor, decided to put her name to a devastating accusation, charging that some 36 years prior, when they were both in high school, Kavanaugh had sexually assaulted her. It was a hazy accusation, Hesitantly lodged, short on detail and curiously timed, but Ford's charge shattered Kavanaugh's carefully crafted tableau, calling into doubt the image he projected. The row of young girls, legs bare in their private school skirts, looked different now. Okay, So him having a bunch of girls he coaches in basketball come to a hearing. That looked different. Maybe Kevin, what's the implication that Kavanaugh abused them? Is the implication that Kavanaugh did something to them? Because that's a BS accusation. You got any evidence, Molly Ball? You're just going to throw it out there that all women are victims. Kamala Harris is victimized just as Christine Blasey Ford was victimized, just as the women on Brett Kavanaugh's, the little girls on Brett Kavanaugh's basketball team were victimized. Women are victims. That's the final pitch. That's the election pitch. End of story. That's what this entire thing is about. All of this boils down to just a couple of words three really women are victims that's it that's the only pitch democrats have to make here because they can't make a true or false pitch they won't even put this lady in front of a hearing even behind closed doors they won't ever talk with senators they won't provide any supporting evidence nothing and we're supposed to buy that we're supposed to sit here and pretend that that's okay that it's okay to destroy america's unity on the basis of allegations that have no verifiability without any questions being asked and then if you ask a question it means you're a sexist Honestly, if you believe that's what America is all about, you do not understand what America is all about. Due process of law is probably the most key element of the Constitution of the United States. And now the Democrats who have proved they don't like the First or the Second Amendments have determined that they don't actually like the Fifth Amendment either. They don't like due process of law. It's something that has to go completely by the wayside. What absolute insanity. What absolute insanity. And of course, this is all electoral politics. We know this is all electoral politics. Right? It's, it's it's clear. Uh, Chris Matthews on MSNBC makes this absolutely clear. Chris Matthews, I a say, says, "Well, you know, what happens? What what if Christine Blasey Ford talks right before the election? Democrats, should, Republicans should dump Kavanaugh based on the who knows." I get up in the morning, come to the show, come in here, start talking to people. I'm wild and crazy with my hands. Kathleen, get me a cup of coffee. Kathleen runs hotels. I love her. She's a woman. I mean, she's superior. Come to the show. Go. I can give a scenario for both of you that the Republicans will not like. They confirm. Uh, Kavanaugh next Thursday. He becomes a, a lifetime member of the Supreme Court. He's in business on the court, deciding issues like Roe v. Wade and things like that. And come the Sunday night or the Monday night before the next election, the midterm elections, the accuser, Dr. Ford, appears on television and gives her full story to a reporter, to an anchor person, and it's deadly. Okay, that's exactly what Chris Matthews wants to happen. But here's the problem. If you don't have any supporting evidence, if the Republicans call your bluff and you got nothing, you're toast. You got a problem on your hands. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. And then we'll do an uplifting psalm because man, I, I need a little bit of calming after, after this episode. So time for some things I like. The thing I like, um, I've been reading this biography of Adam Smith, who is indeed the father of economics. The book is by Jesse Norman, and it's just great. Now, if you've never actually read The Wealth of Nations or, uh, the, or his theory of, of morals, um, all, all his work is terrific. Adam Smith is very readable. Uh, for somebody who's writing in you know, 1773, this is a guy who's really, really readable. But if you if you don't have time for that and you just want kind of the main idea, Jesse Norman does a great job of sketching out Adam Smith's life and interspersed explanations of where his thought comes from. It's a really great primer on both the idea that there is a, that there is a free market ideology that exists for a reason and also that that is backed by a theory of moral sensibility that has roots in Western civilization. So go check it out. Adam Smith, Father of Economics from Jesse Norman. The only part of the book that I disagree with is uh, Jesse Norman tends to be more of a compassionate conservative type. So he says that Adam Smith's economics is, is I think more palliative, uh, more sort of, it, it works more in concert with with big government programs than I think Adam Smith actually does. But you can go check it out. Adam Smith, Father of Economics, Jesse Norman. Really, really good book worth reading. Okay, time for some things that I hate. So Bernie Sanders is back, and Bernie Sanders is making crazier and crazier allegations because here's the thing. If Bernie Sanders wants to keep outflanking his own party, he's going to have to keep moving to the left. They're moving fast to the left, so fast, in fact, that Bernie Sanders is now looking like a moderate inside his own party. So it's time for him to break out the full Noam Chomsky. He's on with Sarah Silverman, who, was she ever funny? There there are allegations that Sarah Silverman was at one point funny. I've never found her particularly humorous. Yes, humor is subjective, and that's my opinion. Congratulations. But here is Sarah Silverman whose entire shtick used to be doing potty mouth routines in a little girl voice. Now she's interviewing Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders says America's a terrible, terrible, terrible place. Somehow he's been able to become extraordinarily famous and live a wealthy lifestyle in this terrible, terrible, terrible place without ever doing a shred of useful work. But here he is criticizing the United States. And we can't even use dirty words. This is the United States Senate. I can't? No, it's the United States Senate. We, we, we just um, starve little children we go bomb houses and buses of children. And we give tax breaks to billionaires, but we don't use dirty words. No. Okay, so that, that's what we do in America. We starve little children. By the way, America is responsible for bringing more people out of starvation than any force in human history. Any force in human history. Worldwide poverty has been halved since 1980. That's because of the power of the American economy and free markets that he opposes, by the way. And then we, all we do is bomb children. You know, like when we actually, you know, got rid of Saddam Hussein or when we actually bombed Assad because he's been murdering children or when, you know, we ended World War II or when we ended the communist regime in Russia. You now, all, all of those things really about America being a terrible, terrible, horrible place. That's all we are. All America is, is a place that does terrible things. This is why there this conflict of visions between left and right. I'm not sure this is bridgeable. If you actually believe Howard Zinn's version of history, America needs to be replaced as an entity. It needs to be completely torn down and built back up from the roots by idiots like Bernie Sanders. That's what we absolutely need because Bernie Sanders says America's a terrible place, a terrible terrible place where he grew up to again wealth and privilege. And again, by any measure, by any global measure, the dude lives I mean he's got a lake house. Come on. And we're and we're supposed to believe that that America's a terrible awful awful place. He's very upset though that he can't use dirty words on the Senate floor. First of all, I think that we should be able to use dirty words on the Senate floor because I'd like to see who exactly like th- this this kind of veneer of civility in the Senate is a bunch of nonsense anyway. I'd like to see how these folks use dirty words because I think that Bernie Sanders' cursing would be so much more entertaining than Bernie Sanders not cursing. I just want to see Bernie Sanders use like all George Carlin's <laughs> words. I think it would be very amusing. Our economy is just a... It would just be incredible. But Bernie Sa- Again, th- there's a theory on the left that every bad that happens is uniquely American and every good that happens is, uni- is universal to humanity. So people rising from poverty, human rights individual rights, these are, these are outgrowths of universal visions of humanity, but war, famine, that's because of America. You have to be an, a full-fledged idiot to believe this. Okay, speaking of full-fledged idiots, there's a piece, oh, I, I have to comment on this because it's so absurd. There's a piece uh, that has been put forth by some woman named, I think it's Becca Lou, Rebecca Lewis, Rebecca Lewis. Uh, and it's a piece over at datasociety.net, which I've never heard of before, but it's getting some play online. And it says, alternative influence, Broadcasting the Reactionary Right on YouTube. New Data and Society Report by researcher Rebecca Lewis presents data from approximately 65 political influencers across 81 channels to identify the alternative influence network, an alternative media system that adopts the techniques of brand influencers to build audience and sell them political ideology. The idea behind this study is that YouTube encourages people to go to the alt-right via things like my show. How do they make this case? The way they make this case is they say, well, Shapiro once hosted Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson was once on Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin once had Stephen Molyneux on. Steph- Stefan Molyneux once was on with Richard Spencer. Therefore, Ben Shapiro and Richard Spencer are linked. And okay, we are now playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know what else I've been on? CNN. You know who else has been on CNN? Louis Farrakhan. Does that mean that Louis Farrakhan and I are linked? Okay, what What absolute utter horse crap. <laughs> but this is the way... That the media try to smear people with connections. Right? Okay, we're we're gonna we're not gonna actually go after your ideas. We're gonna go after the fact that you were once in a room with X, and not just not not that you were friends with that person, not that you were like hugging that person and and you're mirroring their ideology, but you were once in a room with a person who was in a room with X. Yeah, the great takedown, guys. Re- really, really, really genius. Okay, final thing that I hate today. So President Trump did an interview at the Hill. And uh, he, uh, he said a very silly thing about President Bush. One of my great irritants is that after the Republican Party spent years and years and years defending George W. Bush as a good man, President Trump has spent years and years and years tearing President Bush down as though President Bush is a bad man. And I think this is a bunch of horse crap. President Trump said that Bush, Bush's Iraq war was the worst mistake in the history of the country. Said the worst single mistake ever made in the history of our country going into the Middle East by President Bush. Obama may have gotten soldiers out wrong, but going into me is the biggest single mistake made In the history of the country and now you may say that that going into iraq was a mistake although again virtually everybody from both parties supported it including president trump when it first came around but to say it's the worst mistake in the history of our country like we had slavery full-fledged slavery in this country for four generations from founding that seems like a pretty big mistake and then there was jim crow which dominated the south for another hundred years that seems like a fairly large mistake it seems like eugenics programs on the state level, that seems like that might have been kind of a large mistake. It seems like in terms of foreign policy, you know, abandoning Iraq and letting ISIS rise might have been kind of a huge mistake. Not bombing the tracks on the way to Auschwitz, that might have been a big mistake during World War II, shutting our borders to Jews, trying to escape, that might have been a mistake. You know, Japanese internment, that could have been kind of a big mistake. It seems like we made a few mistakes. But th- this, this outsized rhetoric with regard to the war in Iraq, all it does is pr- promote a foreign policy that is, I think in ideology, not accurate and in some ways unhinged. You can disagree with the war in Iraq and say that it was a war that was unnecessary and still recognize that, that it was not the kind of mistake that, that Trump is making it out to be. A historic mistake of cataclysmic proportions. That's just not accurate. Okay, time for a quick psalm because, come on, we all need a psalm because it's been a long show and a long week. And I just came back from a really nice Yom Kippur, by the way. Like, Yom Kippur was, it was really great. I got to spend in, in Shul, just praying and convening with God and and pouring out my, my heart to to God. And that, that was a really nice thing. It's actually really, it's, my, when my dad used to say it was his favorite holiday, I used to think, oh, that's crazy because you can't eat and you can't drink. And it's quickly growing on me. Anyway, the, the Psalms chapter nine, that's, we do one a week. So we're all the way up to chapter nine. It's all about thanking God with all my heart. It says, I will rejoice and exult with you. I will sing your praises to the most high name. When my enemies draw backward, they stumble and are destroyed from before you. For you have performed my judgment, my cause. You sat on the throne, O judge of righteousness. You rebuked nations. You destroyed a wicked man. You erased their name forever and ever. The enemy has been destroyed. Swords exist forever and you have uprooted the cities. Their remembrance is lost. But the Lord shall sit forever. He has established his throne for judgment. But he judges the world with righteousness, kingdoms with equity. And the Lord shall be a fortress for the crushed, a fortress for times of distress. I think that the, the what's what's great about this particular psalm is that he suggests that It's not just individuals who are judged. Nations are judged as well. At the very end of the psalm, it says, Arise, O Lord, let man have no power. May the nations be judged for your anger. O Lord, place mastery over them. Let the nations know that they are forever mortal Man. There's this feeling that, that I think a lot of people have, both left and right, that nations are eternal. And no matter what we do, a nation cannot go the way of a dodo bird. A nation will simply exist. There will be no consequences to the bad decisions that we make. The reality, of course, is that nations are made up of individual human beings. If those individual human beings pursue bad purposes, it will tear the nation apart. My view of God is that God is active in the universe, but he's also, in a, he's in eventuality. God is the predictable result of actions that you take that are immoral. and the And the actions that we take that are immoral, that tear down our own nation from within, once we have hollowed ourselves out, then of course, it's a reminder that we are all mortal. And in the end, the nation collapses along with the individuals who comprise that nation. Alrighty, we'll be back here tomorrow with all the latest plus the mailbag. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Senya Villarreal, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Caramina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire Ford Publishing production. Copyright Ford Publishing 2018.